Power Project crew, thank you for checking out today's episode. This episode was recorded on April 20th, so happy 420 to everybody out there that uh, partakes in the unofficial holiday. But today we have an awesome guest. It is with uh, Professor David Stachura, who is a PhD researcher from the California State University, Chico. His research is focused on understanding the molecular basis of blood disease, and he does a ton of uh, amazing groundbreaking work with uh, stem cell research. And just like our friend Charles Brooke, uh, you guys will see that this guy is on an HNL. He is on a whole nother level. He is in the lab right now in the process of creating uh, lab created uh, fish. I, I know it, it's crazy. We get into that. I'm going to try not to spoil as much as I've done in the past. Uh, somebody on YouTube commented saying that I, I messed up an episode because I said too much in the you know description. But I just want to give you guys a, a background on who David is and what he does. And he is just a wealth of knowledge. So we talked about, of course, the coronavirus his thoughts and opinions on that, uh, whether or not stem cells is going to help it, uh, whether or not a vaccine is going to get it right the first time around, you know, because we talked about how the flu virus usually doesn't get it right, but we got his, his thoughts and opinions on that. We talked about the different range of symptoms that people are getting with the coronavirus. Uh, and SEMA, unfortunately, he, he knows a lot of people that have been contracting the virus. Some of them have little to no symptoms. Others have very serious symptoms. And these are usually younger people that are in great shape. So we asked uh, David, why the heck is, you know, the, why is there so many variables when it comes to why people uh, have different symptoms when they contract the virus? And he gives us a solid answer and it, it makes a ton of sense. Also, last night was the uh, first two episodes of The Last Dance, the uh, Chicago Bulls documentary. So we, we talked a ton about that. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy that because I, I know I did. Um, we're really looking forward to finishing out the rest of that series and talking about it here on air. So uh, again, the, uh, just a, a good, awesome conversation with a professor that is in the know. And Mark explained it very well. He's very much down the middle. You know, he's not too far one side or the other side. He just gives us straight, solid information. And real quick, as fast as I can, uh, if you guys haven't already, please head over to markbell.com, register for your free 30-day trial. The uh, previous free trial used to only be seven days, so it's really cool that you get an entire month of free daily workouts. Uh, That's right, at markbell.com. Mark posts his workout every single day. Uh, Every single day, you're going to get a brand new workout, and we understand that gyms are shut down, so there's a huge emphasis on uh, body weight movements, uh, slingshot and hip circle movements, just a bunch of stuff that you can do without uh, without a gym, without a ton of equipment. Again, that's at markbell.com. And speaking of not having enough equipment or maybe wanting to spruce up your workouts, right now at markbellslingshot.com, we are running a 15% off sale off of all home fitness gear. So that means all slingshots, all hip circles, all apparel, and all of the sport knee sleeves. Just the sport knee sleeves, not the strong knee sleeves because we're talking about the home stuff. So we're trying to help you guys out a little bit more by giving you guys more options on more items. So again, that's at markwellslingshot.com. That is a limited time only. That is from April 22nd to April 24th. So the day that this podcast publishes to Friday. So Wednesday to Friday, again, April 22nd to April 24th, 15% off all slingshots, hip circles, apparel, and sport knee sleeves. Thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode. If you guys like uh, the conversation or maybe, you know, whether it's with the guest or whether it's without the guest when we're talking about Michael Jordan, uh, Scottie Pippen, and all that, 
uh, please reach out to us. Uh, hit us up at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on TikTok. And uh, yeah, let's have a conversation. But for right now, I want you guys to please enjoy this show. <coughs> Clear to the throat. <clears throat> Perfect. Keto's awesome. You should go buy it. And done. <laughs> I've been uh, mixing up some uh, awesome yogurt at night. And uh, last night I made a, I'm, well, two nights ago, I made one for myself because I'm a selfish bastard. And Andy tried it. And Andy's like, oh, my God, that's really good. I had a scoop of uh, slingshot protein in there, but had some of that collagen, a bunch of scoops of that collagen. I think this this yogurt, I my math was right. I think there was like 100 grams of protein in this mamma jamma. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's why I look a little a little swole today, a little extra swole from that. Is that like Greek was, yogurt? Yeah, it was um it was that phage yogurt, I think it's called. It was I, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was that one mixed with a lot of a lot of threw a lot of protein in there, but the um that collagen protein, the um salted caramel, we used a bunch of that in the uh in the yogurt mix with some slingshot protein, threw it in the freezer. That's the hard part is you got to wait for it. I threw it in the freezer for about about two hours with some salt and some cinnamon. That was that was it. Just took a whisk and then a, a big old like. So I had to make I had to make it last night for Andy because she was like, you need to make me one of those. So I made up a giant one, big old bowl. But yeah, I'm loving the keto, the keto uh, perfect keto products. Yeah, and what's awesome is it's, um, you know, my fiance, she can't do straight black coffee. Um, she always says that she has to have a lot of flavor in it because, you know, we all have said and admitted that straight black coffee is a little rough. So Drinking now, it right now, it's gross. It, it, yeah, dude, I, I know. It, it's just like you can get over it. Like you, you don't really ever acquire like a, a taste for it or whatever. You know, it always starts out kind of like, ah, oh, that's shitty. So uh, what, yeah, what can I do? Like- if you like black coffee, you're weird. You're a weirdo. Let's just say that. And it also means <laughs> that you uh, you want to put your tongue on like a uh, on a battery. You know, like when you when you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But now it's really cool is that she it just uses the uh, the salted caramel MCT oil powder from Perfect Keto, and it's like okay, it, it's it almost seems naughty because like it tastes so good, but it's good for you, right? Like it's just yeah, extra Perfect fuel. Keto. The other thing is, too, is they don't use any artificial. I know some people are into this. They don't want to have any artificial ingredients. They don't want to have any artificial sweeteners in their diet. And so if you're looking for that and you want to get, you know, bars that help you stay on a keto diet or you want to get some protein that helps you stay on a keto diet, they use uh, stevia instead of sucralose and things like that. So it presents you with a lot of great options. Yeah, some really great stuff, guys. Head over to perfectketo.com slash power25 at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off and free shipping on any orders of $99 or more. I saw a pretty cool uh, tutorial yesterday. I think you guys may have seen it. Maybe I saw maybe that Encima liked it or maybe it was Settlegate or somebody. But anyway, uh, I saw a good tutorial from our boy Kelly Sturette yesterday he, he posted up uh something about some lunges and I, I saw how he said a backwards lunge is more of a squat position assisted with a kickstand of your leg than it is an actual lunge and so he wasn't promoting that that was bad he was just saying hey you're still in this kind of folded over position and we want when you're doing a lunge you're trying to not do that you're trying to be like more upright so i just wanted to throw that in there in the beginning of the podcast here because i just mm. thought it was i was like i've never heard anybody you know as always kelly Sturette bringing 
bringing the noise mm-hmm. every time. But I just thought that that was uh, a really useful tip for those of you out there that are messing with lunges. They're doing the kind of backward step lunge to help, uh, you know, avoid knee pain. It's a great movement, but also maybe try to think of some ways that you can get yourself more upright. One of the things he said right away to get yourself more upright is just to be on a small step. So just, you know, you have your foot up on, you know, a plate or two, or you have your foot up six or eight inches might help. Hmm. Oh, we got, we got him in here. Huh? Uh, no, not no, yet. Not I don't yet. know what that was. <laughs> that was me looking at that Kelly Sturet video real quick. Oh, okay. Switch. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Everyone's doing lunges right now, especially like trying to get some type of leg work, leg work in squats kind of get boring when you're not using much weight, but lunges always feel good and difficult. <laughs> like there's no way that like, it's like lunges aren't are, are a thing that, yeah, that you get better at them, but they never really feel good. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying especially like first thing in the morning like if you're just your body's not warm or anything like in my mind i was actually thinking about this today i'm like man i'd be such a better athlete if my knees my knees aren't terrible but they just kind of suck like there's they just i don't know they feel like they're always about to snap at some point you know (laughs) once i'm warm i feel fine but in the morning like first thing they feel kind of like brittle you know they they don't feel like they're going to work great i don't feel like i don't feel like i could shoot on somebody and just take their ass out unless I've warmed up for 25 minutes. Dude, you mentioned knees and, and, and all that stuff. While I was watching the Jordan documentary, all I was thinking about was like hops and just like, wow, like the fucking bounce. Um, it's I, I, I've heard that a lot of people um, that you can actually, you can, you can train a lot of that stuff. Just most people don't like most people don't think that they can jump. They just don't really train that. He was, stuff. uh, he was also very, very thin, very thin. Like when he was real young, he was super thin. So that probably helped. Yeah. Hello. Hey, there he is. Hey doctor. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, no worries. Really thanks appreciate it. Me. Let's uh, kick it off with uh, telling people what the hell it is that you do. <laughs> what what I do? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a professor at Chico state. I teach uh, immunology. I study how the body makes blood. And uh, working on some other stuff, basically trying to make sushi without actual fish, just trying to make it from stem cells, like in a dish. So I do wow. a bunch of different things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's what's that about? Let's talk about yeah. that for a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. So would that mean that, that it's always fresh if it's fake? Yeah. Well, I, I think there's there's a lot of reasons to do it, right? You know, we're really trying to do bluefin tuna because they're so endangered. But I mean... Theoretically, it should be safer and better for you too, right? No mercury contamination, um, all the benefits of, you know, muscle fiber, but without, you know, all the bycatch and terrible fish farming techniques that we have to do. Around. Has this kind of thing been done before? So I'm, I'm consulting with this company who's working on it right now um, in Emeryville. So they're doing it. Um, there's other companies that are trying to do it with beef and pork and chicken, um, but yeah, we're kind of like the, kind of like leading the way on the, the fish front. This is a lot different than an impossible burger, huh? Yeah, exactly. So it'd be like a real, you know, it'd be a real fish. Uh, the idea would be do sashimi, right? Like sashimi grade, you know, sushi that you could have. So 
That sounds amazing. And plus, anyone who's unfamiliar with uh, bluefin tuna, that's like the best tasting sushi that you can get, I think, oh, especially yeah. sashimi wise, because it's yeah. it's kind of a fattier tuna, right? A fattier part of the yeah. tuna. Yeah. <laughs> better than yellowtail? A lot of people like it better than yellowtail, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, the yellow, yellowtail is a little leaner, maybe. Yeah. Pause. I, I want to know, like, are you guys just growing the, like, the raw fish? Or are you growing, like, a full on fish? No, no. You, you, so, like, you know, your muscle, you guys know this, right? Like, your muscles have these, like, satellite cells in them, and they're basically like the stem cells of your muscles. So, what we do is we take the fish and we isolate those stem cells, and then we just feed them different things to, like, coax them into turning into muscle. So, um, so yeah. So, it's basically like we start with a fish, obviously, but, like, basically, it's just like a plate, um, and the, the fish meat grows on top of it. And, like, how about this? Like, if you saw, like, a tuna roll, you know, like, how it's all, like, mashed up, like, tuna, just mm-hmm. cut up like that. That's basically what it looks like in a in a dish. Hmm. When we had uh, Sean Baker on, he was, I mean, obviously, he's very much against the Impossible Burger and that sort of thing. Um, so, I don't know if he made it sound much worse than it actually is. But when they were, when he was saying that in order to make that, they have to use, like, an actual, like, Ah, shit, I'm going to butcher this, but like an embryo or some type of a, uh, like an actual living cell in order to actually make it grow. Um, if you want to correct me on that, please do. But, um, for creating the, uh, like recreating a fish, do you have to use any kind of like live or living thing to create it? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're definitely taking them from fish. So we we're starting off with bluefin tuna Mm -hmm. and then we got to isolate those stem cells from them. Um, impossible burger. I think, I think the only thing they have that's alive is they use like yeast to produce the heme, which is kind of the thing that gives meat its flavor. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 the blood, the blood protein. Yeah. I misspoke. Um, it was for like uh, lab created meat, not the impossible. Yeah. 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 For lab created meat, definitely, you know, they're taking stem cells from cows and chickens and yeah. Same with, thing. uh, with your knowledge, your, your wide base of knowledge, especially when it comes to stem cells, uh, do you think that stem cells can be, um, like, what do you think stem cells could potentially help the human body with? Like I I've, I've had some stem cell injections before, but you know, you don't know what you're getting from this person or that person. And, yeah. uh, I didn't really find it to be effective, but at the same time, maybe my expectations were too high. I had a really, uh, you know, an elbow that was really beat up from years and years of powerlifting. And I wanted to be able to get back to pursuing uh, 600 pounds. Maybe there's not, maybe there's not an injection for that. So uh, what do you think uh, stem cells could be uh, useful for? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to see in the next 10 to 20 years, you can use stem cells for anything, honestly. But like what you're talking about is is the problem with like the industry right now, which is that it's completely unregulated. And so you go into a doctor's like the FDA doesn't regulate it, or if they do regulate it, they don't have enough like oversight to do anything about it. So there's like these stem cell clinics and you don't know what the hell you're getting. Right. So, um, you're probably getting like mesenchymal stem cells, which are like from your fat and they just, you know, you can isolate those from like a liposuction clinic. So it's almost, it's honestly like fight club, you know, they just take these bags of like, liposuction fat and isolate those cells from them and then those are stem cells technically but you probably don't want fat stem cells injected into your eye to cure glaucoma right it's not going to do anything what have you seen like what's some of the more like maybe miraculous things where you're like wow that's 
you know, and, and maybe that's, you know, why you've been pursuing stem cells. Like what are some, obviously the growing of fish seems to be amazing and being able to grow protein and meat and food, that seems pretty wild. But what about in terms yeah. of inside the human body? Well, I think, I think the biggest success story for stem cells is basically blood stem cells. So you probably don't think about it, but you're making like 10 trillion blood cells per day and all those cells need to get replaced constantly. And so there's so many diseases, so many types of problems that happen when those stem cells go haywire. And so for like, like bone marrow transplants and like infusion of blood stem cells, it can cure so many diseases. It's like totally changed the way we think about cancer and all types of, of blood issues. So yeah, th- those are big success stories. Like there's certain types of leukemia, which is basically just blood cancer, that it was like a 90% death rate for kids. And now with stem cell transplants, it's like a 90% survival rate. It's, it's incredibly shit. Yeah. Wow. But that stuff's like all regulated, right? Like that's like, you got to go to the doctor's office, you know, you got to go to the hospital to do that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, who who the hell knows what you, what you're getting injected in your elbow. You know, that's the, that's the problem, right? Right. Um, but theoretically it could work, right. To inject stem cells into that region and repair that damage that's, you know, in your cartilage and, and the joint. So what about in terms of, uh, like this virus that's going around would, is it is it possible that maybe we're not maybe we're not there yet for you to be able to really say 100 percent? but would something like stem cells you know help your immunity and, and help people be uh a little stronger you know against some of these viruses and some things that might be to come yeah you could you could actually think about um you know infusing people with blood cells that would help fight off the fight off the disease I don't think it's like, it's probably not the easiest way to do it. I think really the big thing is to get a vaccine, right? And then, and then your body does it itself. Um, but yeah, have you guys seen this where they're trying to take plasma from people who have already been infected and transfuse it into people that are potentially sick? Like that's a, that's a way to do it. it. It would work, you know, because you have these proteins in your body, those antibodies that are in the plasma that could fight off the virus, but it's not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is to make your make yourself make those antibodies. And what, are some of your, what are some of your thoughts in general about the virus? Do you feel like we're, we're handling the coronavirus? Do you feel like we're handling it well? Do you feel like social distancing is, uh, is helping? Do you feel like quarantine is helping? Like, what are some of your general thoughts on it? Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. I don't know. I'm so, so where are you guys at? Like, I mean, we're in, we're in California. I'm in, uh, yeah. I'm in like, I'm kind of near San Francisco. Okay. Sacramento over here. Mm-hmm. Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I'm up in Chico, so it's pretty rural. Um, I don't know. We haven't really felt the effects of any of this, right? It's not New York city. So it's, it's hard. I don't really completely. How about this? We're just flattening the curve just basically means like that the area under the curve is the same, right? Like, everybody's going to get infected with this, mm. with this virus, right? The, the prediction is like 70% of the human population is going to get infected with this virus. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's been as bad as everybody is predicting that it, that it was going to be. Um, the, I guarantee you the death rate is not going to be as high as it's being reported right now, because I guarantee people have this virus and it's been circulating in a population for longer than we think. So when we work out the numbers of how many people are dying and how many people are infected, we just don't know how many people are infected because 
if you don't show symptoms, you have no idea if you've even been infected with the virus, right? Isn't the number that's like kind of being, um, I think, spread around because people are saying it's one to 2%. Wouldn't that be like the case fatality rate of the virus? So if you go in, you get tested, you're positive. Right. So they know you have the case. And then that's one to 2%. But like you said, we don't know, like we could have all been infected and had absolutely mm-hmm. no symptoms. And if we were tested and it shows known, like that shows that we have infection, the infection fatality rate would be just way lower. Correct. Oh yeah. That it's going to be, it's going to be way lower. It's going to be around the, uh, around influenza levels. You know, um, gotcha. it, there was just, I, there was just like a paper that came out and it's, it's kind of, it's not published yet, but it's like looking at people in Sonoma County and they think, the estimates are like three to 6% of people in Sonoma County are infected with the virus just by small testing that they've done. Mm. So like, think about that. That's, that's a lot of people, you know, and that's not how many people have died in Sonoma County. Um, so when you work those numbers out, yeah, you're looking at like 0.1%. So I, I think, I think what's going to happen is we're going to stop social distancing. Right. And then it's just going to come back and, and they're <laughs> going to do it again. And it's just going to come back. And I, I don't, I don't know what the purpose of that is. You know, really. I'm curious then what are your thoughts on, cause I think we, we talked to Daniel Rego about this. What are your thoughts on um, like the way Sweden's handling it with their, with their herd immunity approach? Um, and it, it seems like, with Sweden versus a place like New York where everyone's like stacked and living on top of each other. Right. It seems like different places need to have different types of quarantine. You know what I mean? Um, So, so, so what are your thoughts on that? Like if, if you, I don't know if you like had control over this and you could say, Hey, this should happen here. This should happen here. How would you have approached it? Just curious. I think, well, first I think I would take it more like on a, yeah, I, I think it matters where you're at. Right. So the responses need to be different. So like, I don't necessarily think we needed to shut down a city of 60,000 people um, in rural Northern California. Um, It it just doesn't make that much sense. I I have to tell you, like, honestly, the thing is like this, this virus is not airborne. Right. So it's not like you're breathing it out. Like it's in, it's in your spit. Right. So it can be like in particulate. So really the answer is just wash your, fucking hands you know like just wash your hands and don't touch your face and just practice good hygiene and you'll be fine you don't need to be six feet away from somebody you just don't need to have somebody spitting in your face you know this is you know common decency right yeah so so like we have like i wouldn't have shut down schools for the rest of the semester you know i would have said like look like let's take it by a week by week basis if we don't see any cases coming back up let's open school back up what's the What's the harm in doing that? But we've kind of just jumped the gun. Like, you know, our classes are canceled. Commencement is canceled. Um, commencement's canceled. It's like, why can't we just reschedule that? What, <laughs> why can't we push it back a couple of weeks? It doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. Um, what are your thoughts on whether or not the virus will be, will mutate and it'll just kind of be, come back and become the seasonal, you know, flu? Sure. It can, for sure. I mean, there's all kinds of coronaviruses that cause like the common cold and cause other diseases. Um, so it, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see this again and again. Um, there's, this sounds really harsh, but you know, like if you put a perspective on some of these things, like 10 million people died of tuberculosis in 2017, like mm-hmm. around the world, 10 million people. And you know, there's oh. some scientists working on tuberculosis research, but 
you, you don't hear about that in the news right. all the time, right? 10, Ten million people have not died of coronavirus. Um, from uh, from some of the stuff that you've seen, um, do you do you think that this uh, do you think this virus is mainly you know just taking out people that um, maybe previously didn't have a healthy lifestyle, um, and and also you know maybe some of these people are just like unaware, you know, like maybe they just don't maybe they don't even really realize that they had a respiratory issue or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that who it's really wiping out are people with respiratory ailments, right? I mean, first, you know, if you're older, you have a terrible immune system anyway. That's just what happens as you get older. Your immune system goes, you know, it goes to shit. But, um, you know, if you're a 75-year-old smoker with diabetes and you're overweight, yeah. I mean, but you've got other health issues too, right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily like the coronavirus that's going to take you out. Like you're, you're on your way, you know, like it's, it, it definitely, it definitely highlights like poor, poor health and poor knowledge of people's bodies. Um, they just think, oh, whatever, I'll just go to the hospital and get treated. I was listening to something the other day, which is like, if you get on a respirator, like if you're put on a respirator, your chances of surviving are basically 50%. Like you're so screwed. Like you're, you're so bad off. If you need to be on a respirator, it's a flip of a coin. Right. And so we keep talking about like, well, we need more respirators. Uh, really? We need to, we, th- that's not going to help, you know? Yeah. My understanding. Of- yeah. Some of my understanding of a respirator is that it would even be hard just to, it's, it's difficult to get somebody used to a respirator. That's even healthy. Like it's a yeah, hard they, transition to get to it. They have to usually, um, you know, anesthetize you because your lungs work off of like negative pressure, but a respirator basically works off a of positive pressure. So it's like pushing air into your lungs, which is like not how you actually breathe, right? Like through your diaphragm and like pulling the air in. So yeah, apparently it's like a terrible thing to be put on. <laughs> When it comes to like testing for this um, stuff, we briefly mentioned it, but what are some of your thoughts on like, does that solve problems for us or does that create more issues? And then like uh, there might be, you know, some false positives and there might be some mistakes being made in the laboratories and stuff like that. What are some of your thoughts on testing for it? Yeah, sure. I, well, I think that one thing is that people don't know a lot about viruses, right? So it, it just like the general population, right? So like probably, so we do this thing in class where I, where I test the kids and they see if they have mono or not, right? So mononucleosis, it's caused by this virus. It's called the Epstein-Barr virus. And basically no one tests positive for mono, right? Because most people aren't walking around with like a raging mono infection. Mm. But then I test them later for antibodies that have been made against that virus. And like 95% of the kids in class have those antibodies, which means like 95% of us have been infected with that virus at some point in time, but most of us fought it off, right? And we didn't get mono. And I think we're going to see the same thing with this, right? So we're going to test and we're going to say, okay, you're positive, but what does that mean? It just means at some point in time, I had that virus in me and I fought it off. How does that, how does that help us, right? So like I, to tell you the truth, you know, I'm ordering the tests now because I just want to test people around here, you know, and, kind of show them that they probably already had it. Um, but w- what does it mean clinically? I don't, I don't really know, but I see what you're saying, which is, does it make people like even more scared and worried, you know, that, that they've been infected? With it? You know, that, I don't know. I'll, yeah. 
the, what you said there kind of makes me curious too, like, cause like people can get infected and they don't even realize it. But another thing I'm curious about is just like, you know, there's really bad flus. I don't know if there's even needs to be an explanation for this, but I do know some individuals. I know like actually quite a few people who have had it at this point. I have quite a few people that have had it and they're like, Oh, I just had a little bit of a cough for a day and I was good. Some people literally no symptoms. They, they were, they were fine. Yeah. And I have a friend in New York. I was texting Mark and Andrew about this. He's young, he's healthy, but he had a, a rough go of it for seven days. Uh, he lost the sense of taste, sense of smell. It, it, so what I'm curious about here is, I guess, is there an explanation for why there's so much range in symptoms? Is it just the how strong it hits you? Cause he was fairly healthy. I mean, he's, he's, he's recovered, right? He wasn't going to, he wasn't anywhere close to death or anything, but is there an explanation for that? Yeah, so I, I got to get a little sciencey for a second on okay. that one. But yeah, but there is, there, there's a total reason. And so we inside of us have all these proteins and they kind of determine like your body from the outside world. So like that's how your body, that's how your immune system tells like self from non-self, right? And these proteins, what they do is they process, they process other proteins in your body and they kind of present them on the surface of a cell. So I like to think of these, they're like a hot, it's like a hot dog being presented in a bun. Like that's what I tell kids in class. And so like these buns and these hot dogs are like sitting outside of your, outside of your cells. And then like the immune cells can like interact with them. So all of us have different buns, right? If that makes sense. So like, so like, that's why, like, if I gave you a kidney, right, your body would fight off that kidney. It would see that bun and it would destroy it. Right. So, like, the way that you present those hot dogs out on the surface of the cell basically dictates how well you're going to respond to these infections. So, like, there's groups of people, and I'm not saying, like, races. It's usually, like, it's just, it's, like, isolated groups. So, it's, like, who you mate with, right? Like, what kind of combinations of those buns you have and how you present those, those peptides, those pieces of protein, the virus on the surface. So, like, no one's done this yet, but, like, I'm guaranteeing they're going to find that there's a certain subtype of people with like a certain subtype of protein that do really well and they can clear the infection really, really easily. But this is like, this is like how evolution and the immune system and pathogens like end up wiping out huge groups of people because they just, they can't respond properly to that kind of virus. And if you can respond properly, you just make an antibody and it's in your mucus and you just clear it and it's gone, you know? So I think what we're seeing is it's not just health. I mean, obviously like when you're older and you're, you know, you have respiratory ailments, like that's, that's definitely a risk factor. That's a risk factor for tons of stuff. Right. But yeah, young people who are healthy, it could just be like that you're unlucky genetically, honestly. And you just can't fight off that virus the the way that other people fight it off. Can you uh, maybe relate uh, how the human body makes uh, antibodies to uh, working out since we're a bunch of meatheads? Maybe there's yeah. <laughs> uh maybe there's a correlation there. No, no. So um you mean like how how you make antibodies at all? Yeah, like why your body even make uh, why your body makes them or how it makes them. Yeah, so like basically what happens is th- the simple version is let's say a virus gets inside of your cell. Um there's there's special cells that eat those viruses up. So they're going to eat those viruses up and they're going to present them to like another cell. And that cell like, you know, when you get sick and your lymph nodes swell up, mm-hmm. so those are those cells growing and they're called B cells. So like the B cells start growing and they start making more copies of themselves. And basically what they do is they make these special proteins and they're called antibodies. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is those B cells like secrete the antibodies 
And the reason that antibodies do anything in you is there's a couple things that can do, but what they do is they stick to the virus. And so they stick to the virus. And then that tells your body like, Oh, look, there's an antibody stuck to this virus. I should eat it up. So, so it increases like the digestion of like those, uh, of the viral proteins. And it also allows the other cells, like, let's say you have a virus that infects a cell, right? So your body, it can't do anything, right? Because it's inside of the cell. So actually what it does is it, there, you have special T cells in your body that can kill those cells. So you, you're basically sending a signal that says, okay, look, I'm infected with a virus. Come over here and kill me. And you have special cells in your body that'll go over and kill those cells. Um, so antibodies are kind of like the first, it's kind of like the signal to your body that something's wrong and I'm going to label it with all these little antibodies and you guys clean up the mess. When it comes to T-cells. Does that help? Yeah, that helps a ton. Yeah. When it comes to uh, T-cells, do you think the answer is to try to, you know, make more of them? And if so, you know, how do we make more T-cells? Yeah, we, yeah. So like that, that whole process, um, a lot of, you can stimulate, you can stimulate T cells, you can stimulate more T cell growth, but sometimes that's not a good thing because like I said, they kill other cells. So you don't want them going crazy. Um, so there's like, there's like a tight regulation, like in your body, like how many do we make and how many do, you know, cause you don't want to just like destroy like a, you don't want to destroy like your airway with T cells, right? Like, Oh, all these cells are infected. Let's just destroy them. And then you get a hole in your windpipe. Right. So like most things don't like stimulate more T cells. Um, but like you were asking about stem cell treatments before, you know, now there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who have been working on basically making T cells that are targeting like cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And this has been a treatment. So you can take the T cells out of your body and you can basically tell them to recognize a cancer cell and you put them back in your body. And then all they do is they go crazy and they just kill all those cancer cells. This is, this is like a new technology that's come on the market in like the last five to 10 years. And it's incredible um, for, for doing that, for curing for, bad for like things. all types of cancer or is not all types, cancer? not all types. Usually it's the, the main one was leukemia, uh, but they're working on like solid tumors now. So like breast cancer, things like that. Wow. Yeah, I'm curious about this, actually, and we don't need to spend much time on this at all. But, um, you know, the Spanish flu 1918 uh, is what you were talking about, because, you know, how Spanish flu, apparently it took out young, healthy people. Um, What was it that it caused? Was it like because it was causing like an overproduction of something that just killed people with good immune systems, I think? Or am I totally off? No, I think, well, it's. It's hard, right? Because 1918, it's like, it's before we had penicillin, you know, like, so, so, so basically, who knows exactly what was going on? But Mm -hmm. yeah, what can happen is what can happen a lot of times is you have like this overstimulation of your immune system, and your immune system is just trying to fight this thing off. uh, But really, what it's doing is it's causing more damage to your body. Um, so there's actually like a lot of a lot of work on like drugs for that I've seen for COVID, which is actually turning down the immune system because the immune system is like cranked up, you know, to 11 and you want to turn it down. Mm. Um, this is like when you get a fever, right? So when you, when your body gets a fever, that's basically your body trying to kill the virus. It's raising your body temperature because viruses don't like a high temperature. So it's like your, it's your response. It's not like the virus makes you hot. 
it's like you're making yourself hot. You, mm-hmm. you make yourself swell to like get rid of those kind of things. Um, so yeah, it, it, it can totally be the immune system like going crazy. And on top of that, because I know you're definitely the guy that can help explain this to us. Um, a lot of parents have kids. And what people have been hearing was like, you know, if your kid if 11, 12 and under, they'll probably get this and they'll probably have mild to no symptoms. Um, can you explain to us why that is? Apparently, there's something with a, a child's immune system that just doesn't cause them to have a really bad version of this virus. They just end up being carriers. Why is that? Yeah, I think they're working on this right now. But Basically, you know, those antibodies I was telling you about, mm-hmm. you're, you're not just, they're not just inside of your body. You actually secrete them. Um, so like your mucus and everything like in your respiratory tract is like filled with antibodies, right? And they're antibodies against things that you've sampled. Um, and you're basically trying to fight them before they even get inside of your body. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like kids, younger people, they have more of those antibodies. So they have a better production of those kind of antibodies that are basically getting stuck in the mucus. So then when they breathe in a viral particle or they rub their eyes or whatever, it's like instantly neutralized with those antibodies. So I think, I think the younger you are, the better you have like protection so that the virus doesn't even get inside of you in the first place. And then does that, I think that's what they're, I think that's what they're finding. Yeah. And then does that make it better or worse for spreading the virus? Yeah, I guess it doesn't, it could make it worse, right? Because you don't know, right? You're you're just clearing it constantly. Um, I mean, yeah, it's worse because you know if you get mucus, kids are disgusting, right? So like, I have I have two like one and a half year olds. Like, we just had twins like a year and a half ago. Oh, wow, congrats! Like, they're they're real just, gross. They eat they eat everything, man. Like they're just <laughs> chewing on doorknobs and just wiping their boogers everywhere and. You can't stop it, right? You know, but like, so the spread of that virus is, yeah, it's worse in younger people, right? Because they're not paying attention, right? They're just getting it everywhere. But again, it's like, it's, it's so, it's so easy. Like just wash your hands, just use hand sanitizer, you know, don't rub your eyes. Um, you don't need a full hazmat suit to go to mm. Costco. Just, just wash your hands. Mm. You know? Yeah. So e- even though it, they, they are able to neutralize it, instantly it still it just lives with inside them so then they can still pass it on no i mean they're probably they're (laughs) they're probably clearing it so that um it's not within them but i mean for for a little bit sure it's going to be inside of them and they're going to shed that virus i mean that that happens all the time though like i think that people really get focused on this like oh you're coughing you're sneezing you know don't be around me you're you know you're giving me virus but the reality is like that person was probably sick for like three or four days before they started coughing and sneezing. And they've been sharing that virus with you the whole time. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely easier to share the virus when you're sneezing all over the place and getting droplets everywhere. But, but honestly, you know, you have, you're constantly fighting off viruses like every minute of the day. And um, most of them, you never know infect you because you just clear them so easily you don't get sick every time you get a virus inside of you usually you get rid of it pretty quickly but the issue is like when you don't right and it's it's a race against time right if your body doesn't fight it off fast enough you get sick um so yeah i mean those kids still have the virus Mm -hmm. but they're not going to have it forever right you'll clear it but during that time yeah sure they're going to be spreading it around for sure I think that's the danger, right? The asymptomatic thing, right? It's like, I don't have symptoms, but I'm still spreading the virus around. 
do we have any information yet on whether this uh if you get this virus if you can get it again i think that it seems like it seems like there are there is some evidence of that and that that again is just like you know your body makes those antibodies and they're not perfect so if they bind to a certain part of the virus and then that virus mutates then it doesn't bind anymore and then you don't have immunity against it so this is like this is this is the problem with the seasonal flu too right influenza you know we make a vaccine and we think it's going to work against the strain that's out there and then of course it changes and and then you get infected you get infected with influenza it's just a different strain and that vaccine just doesn't help you um, it's, it's the same issue. So I, I, I would not doubt that there's going to be new varieties of this coronavirus running around that are going to keep infecting people. Yeah. We've had a few doctors on this show who have adamantly said like, you can't stop, you, you know, the government and people can't stop a virus. I mean, there's not really, you know, washing your hands as you're pointing out. It's like, uh, beyond that. And then just some general wellness, I guess, you know, um, yeah, sure. You know, don't don't be disgusting with your food and uh, and try to get some sleep and, um, you know, don't be overtaxed all the time and overworked all the time. But uh, that, you know, that was kind of some of the statements that we've had on the show. And it 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 appears that that's very true. I mean, it seems like when we all start to go back to work and things like that, I would imagine the first people that come out of their house are going to be fairly healthy, have a robust immune system and be able to handle, you know, whatever is out there. And so it will appear as if the quarantine worked, but, <laughs> but it will just be an illusion really, because we're probably still passing the virus around. People are probably still getting it. I, I've heard some estimates that they think like over 80 million Americans have already, already had the virus, you know? And so it's going to be really hard to pinpoint, you know, what, what the heck is really uh, happening and going on. But I guess maybe the one thing is it, it slowed things down enough to maybe we'll end up with some medicine and maybe we'll end up with a vaccine soon enough. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of evidence that it's been circulating at least in California for a, a long time um, since like December uh, people coming back with it. So it's, it's not shocking, but like what, what you're really saying, you know, at the end there is that, our healthcare system sucks, right? So like the, the, the problem is we need to like flatten the curve because we, we just can't handle these kind of things because everything's privatized and, you know, why should we have ventilators? Why should we have ICU beds? Like, you know, we don't, we don't need them, right? And I think in essence, you know, yes, this thing's going to rage through our population. And if you are genetically capable of clearing it, you're going to survive. And if you're not, it sounds really bad, but you, you're not going to survive it. And there's nothing really, you know, closing down stores or closing school. That's not going to change that. You know, um, that's the reality of it. You know, on the trail of what Mark asked with the, the mutation, when most of us think about mutation, we think about like, it, it gets worse. And then it turns into, we think it gets worse. Um, but does it always get worse when it mutates or does it sometimes become less, um, I guess, not as bad? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It can go, it can go either way. So usually what happens is, yeah, you think of mutation as it getting worse because let's say, let's say you got five viruses, right? And one gets like stronger, right? And it can infect people better, right? And let's say the other four viruses, they mutate 
and they get weaker, right? They, they don't infect very well. Well, that, that stronger one's going to like outcompete the other ones, right? So like that stronger one's going to infect people faster and then it's going to keep changing over time and over time. But yeah, there's millions of like mutations that are happening constantly and those viruses, they just, they just suck and they go away. Um, but yeah, there, there is also the potential that, you know, it gets a little bit weaker. It spreads around in the human population. We all get herd immunity, which basically just means all of us become immune to it. And then it just can't, yeah, it just goes away. So yeah, that's totally that's totally a potential. Are there any um, precautions or anything we can do to prevent it from mutating into some crazy monster? No, it, that's that's the weird the weird biology of these viruses is um, basically when when we copy our DNA in our body, right? We have special proteins that basically check and make sure that the DNA is getting like properly trans turned into RNA and turned into protein. In other words, like we have like proofreading Mm -hmm. uh, chemicals inside of us and the viruses don't have that. So what happens is they just, they just make copies of themselves. And if the copy of it of themselves is different, they don't care. It doesn't really matter. And uh, so there's like no way to stop that mutation. It's not a similar issue. It's not a similar issue with cancer. The cancer, yeah. like, right, it copies itself over and over again, right? Right, and it, it, it's basically like, yeah, for cancer, it's like your cells have lost that capability of saying, like, okay, there's something wrong, I need to go back and fix it, or I need to just kill this cell, right? Um, and it just says, I don't care anymore. Um, obviously, I'm anthropomorphizing here. Uh, cells don't right. say that, but, you know, viruses don't say that. But, <laughs> but yeah, they, they just they stop caring, and they just keep making more copies of themselves. I'd imagine with your work, um, I, I would assume that it would be essential. So maybe not too many things have changed for you or have they changed drastically? Or are you having to stay at home as well? Yeah, I'm supposed to be at home. I'm at work right now, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have, I have all these animals. So we have an animal colony downstairs. And so I'm kind of listed as like an essential worker because I have to take care of all my, of all my animals. We use these little uh, fish. So they're called zebrafish. You guys have probably seen them in like aquariums. Um, and we have a whole bunch of varieties of them that have fluorescent blood. And so we can look at them and see where the blood cells are and what they're doing. And we can modify them by putting in different genes and different proteins. So I got to make sure they're all alive. So I get to come into work every day, and feed fish. It's like Petco. Do you think within the next decade or two that we'll have, you know, maybe a, I, I guess it's kind of hard to have a cure for cancer since there's so many different types, but you think we'll be pretty, pretty close. Yeah. I think we're, we're getting closer and closer. I mean, wow, for, that's amazing. Yeah. For, for a lot of cancers, it's just, um, we do have like great cures. So if you were like an oncologist in the sixties, it was probably pretty frustrating because the only thing we had were like chemotherapy, uh, just kind of like really destructive drugs, right? Drugs that like kill every kind of cell that's dividing. But now we have like really targeted, um, cancer treatments. So it's getting a lot better. Um, but the reality is, you know, like how long do human beings, like how long do you want to live? Right. You know, like we weren't made to live past you know 110 years old like your body just is i don't know it it becomes like kind of like futile at some point in in time i think like what's your quality of life you know 
yeah, if you're going to live to 150, I'd imagine that your teeth will probably not be around anymore and there'll probably be a lot of other issues, right? Yeah, yeah. Your, your body is set to decline at some point in time. So that's what cancer is, right? I mean, that's why you get it when you get older. Like one out of three people is going to get it. So have you heard of the uh, keto pet sanctuary? Have you heard of that before? No. This was a sanctuary that they put together where they uh, tested dogs and they, they put them on a ketogenic style diet. And a lot of the dogs, I don't know, I don't know uh, what other treatment went along with it, but a lot of the dogs went into remission for cancer. Not all of them, huh. um, but that was uh, something that one of my one of my friends worked on. His name is Ron Penna. He's the guy who kind of led the charge. And then we had I had another friend uh, that that worked worked on that with him. And as soon as I brought your name up, he got all excited. He's like, "Oh man, he's he's really sought after uh, in in cancer." So you're going to have a good time on the uh, podcast with him. Have you cool. noticed anything uh, in terms of cancer, in terms of just, um, you know, does exercise help? Does, does nutrition help? Does just having a more, you know, robust, uh, you know, nervous system and, and body and a healthier body, does that assist at all? Or does it just take anybody? No, I think, it, I, I think it's pretty clear that all those things are, are super important. Um, so, you know, what you're putting into your body <laughs> definitely dictates, you know, your immune function and how you respond to different things. And honestly, a lot of the, a lot of the idea with some of these diets is that, you know, you have all these microbes that live inside of you, right? And I say inside of you, but I like to think of like the human body, like a big donut, right? And, and there's a donut hole, and that's basically your mouth to your anus, right? And so, like, it's not really your body, right? But, like, I, so we talk about the donut hole a lot in class. And so all the things, all the critters that live in that donut hole are super important. And so changing your diet, I mean, it's pretty clear that it, it changes. It can change your personality. It can change uh, your, you know, anxiety. You can get rid of it because there are certain bacteria in there that are making basically neurotransmitters that are going to your brain, and just by changing your diet, you can change the way that uh, those proteins are being made. Um, and it's the same thing for, you know, fighting inflammatory diseases, right? If you're eating things that are causing your body to react inappropriately to inflammation, it's, it's terrible. But yeah, nutrition is a huge part of it. I mean, I think genetics, genetics is like how you interpret that stuff in the donut hole. But yeah, I mean, it definitely matters. I have a question for you, and I'm I'm curious if if you've if this is just purely anecdotal or if there's any merit to this. Now, I know some people who, you know, as they ate more meat, they like because you mentioned personality, so they're reporting. I feel a little bit more aggressive, or I feel a little bit more, uh, you know, not not like like mad or anything, sure. just a little bit more aggressive. And I know individuals who like uh, like start only eating like vegetables and only plants, and they're like. I feel a little bit uh, more calm or I feel a little bit. want to go do yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, 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 this, this might, I don't know if there's any merit or there's something there because you mentioned personality. I'm curious, is there something there or is this just their experience? No, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that it's true. So like, so it, it, depending on what you're eating changes the kind of bacteria that are in your gut and it, it totally can make a difference. Yeah. So there's been, there's been like quite a few studies where like, Going on a keto diet totally changes your gut microbiota. So like all the all the bacteria that's living in, in the donut hole. And and like I don't know I don't know if there's been like any correlation to like 
you know, the way people feel about it, or if they just feel like they are more aggressive because they're eating a lot of meat. I don't know. But, but I mean, I guess that's a possibility, right? But I think there's a strong possibility that it, it really has to do with the chemicals that are being made by those bacteria inside of people's gut. I don't think anyone like has a direct, you know, direct finding with that, but, but it's clear that it changes like what's inside of your gut. Um, well, I would say there's probably a, there's probably a pretty big difference between, you know, eating uh, spinach that you cooked up just off of a fork versus eating a ribeye and having the bone and being able to kind of like pull it away from you. I mean, there's got to be some stuff in your brain that that's feeling that sensation of, of chewing the meat. And it's, it, fe- it feels, it certainly feels different. So I'd imagine sure. your body is interpreting it all to be a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, it's definitely psychological, but it, you know, there's, there's probably some chemical component to it, but yeah, of course you're going to, you're going to feel a little bit different, you know, eating quinoa versus yeah. A steak off the bone for sure. Charles was telling us uh, that you mainly uh, eat vegetables, right? You're mainly uh, a vegetarian. Yeah, I mean, I I do eat meat, but I try to just eat local stuff. Um, you know, try to be good about that. How long you been doing that for? Um, since I was, I don't know, a teenager. I think oh, wow. as a teenager, I had like more of a. It was more of like an animal rights kind of thing that I was into and then I just kind of realized like, uh, you know, it's not, I don't know. I, I have a different perspective now as an adult. Um, but like factory farming and stuff is pretty terrible. I mean, I don't think anyone would debate that. Like when you see those feed lots, you know, as you drive through on the five, you know, going South, it's, it's pretty gross. And you think, man, this is like how we keep animals. But, you know, I don't have any problem getting a hamburger from like, uh, you know, a local farm around here where I know it's, not filled with chemicals and animals weren't treated terribly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. I don't know about you guys, but what do you do uh, exercise wise? You get a chance to exercise. Yeah, I, I do a lot of mountain biking. So around here, I, I get to ride my bike a lot. Um, so pretty much that. That's great because mountain biking doesn't seem like something that's really been affected much by this. No, um, it's not. Yeah. It's actually great. <laughs> so my, my, my mountain biking has gone up exponentially during this time. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. You, no, meatheads are getting really sad because they don't have a gym to work out. And <laughs> so they're all stuck doing pushups and squats at home, which is perfectly okay. But <laughs> yeah, there is some specialized, there's some specialized equipment that you probably just don't have laying around in your apartment for certain exercises yeah is there um is there some stuff uh that you're seeing with stem cells that could uh turn us into like super beings you know because there or is is there something that you've uh stumbled upon i mean we're into like bodybuilding powerlifting. sure is there potential that uh you know we can take a stem cell injection and turn into lebron james or something like that yeah i mean i think there's i mean so, I mean, you're talking about like powerlifting, right? Like there's definitely stuff you could do to enhance your, you know, muscle production like that. That's not debatable. Right. I mean, all of this stuff, like, yes, it could definitely be used to, for enhancement clearly. Like there's so many stem cell technologies that could be used for enhancement. Um, I think that's like, that's like the gray area, right. Where people start to think like, Oh, is this right? Is this ethically correct? But I mean, we do, we enhance ourselves all the time, right? Like I, it's kind of just the next phase of it as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, of course you could take muscles. You could take those 
muscle stem cells and inject them into you and you know yeah why wouldn't it work it should work i know a lot of times uh the guys that are in the lab sometimes are the guinea pigs i had uh andy galpin uh remove a chunk of muscle from my leg and and i i was a big i was a big puss about it and everybody in the lab laughed at me because they're like we get that done all the time because they're they're all using each other for uh experiments uh have you gone down that rabbit hole do you get used for experiments or you use your students or you use those zebra fish <laughs> no i use i use myself a lot yeah so like i i take my own blood um, for class. And so I need blood for experiments. So I'll just, you know, sit down and tie up and take my own blood. And, you know, to, to somebody else, there's like, how do you do that? That's insane. You know, but I just, I've been doing it for a long time. So it's, it's easy. It's the beginning of a good science fiction movie, I think. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I take my own blood all the time. I haven't taken muscle, um, but yeah, I guess, I guess I experiment on myself too. I'm curious about that actually, because you were mentioning earlier that when people want to get stem cell treatments, sometimes doctors just take it from fat and that really doesn't do much. Um, but you know, I've heard of people getting stem cell treatments on their elbows, their knees, et cetera. Some people have reported just miraculous, like, um, I guess, improvement in the way those yeah. areas feel. So my first question would be, how would one, go about making sure that if they want stem cell treatment, they get it correctly. And then secondly, have like, do you, I mean, are you able to get stem cells from your blood yourself and have you done anything to your joints and seen any type of improvement? So I haven't done anything to myself, but okay. theoretically you, you know, that would be the safest thing is if you could take, you know, let, let me just say this, the fat stem cells, they have the capability to turn into like bone and cartilage and basically repair joints as well. Mm. So those stem cells, they're not completely worthless. Um, it's more that like, you don't know like the place that's harnessed them and harvested them and processed them. Like you don't even know if they're alive anymore. Right. But theoretically, if you could take your own fat stem cells and inject them into like, you know, a wounded joint, theoretically you could repair damage that's going on in there. I should also say that, you know, just, what what people really need to do is just do kind of like sham surgeries too on the side, which is basically like sometimes just sticking a needle into the joint is going to cause inflammation and it's going to cause your body to repair the damage that's there anyway. So it's almost like you, you can induce, you know, the repair yourself. Um, that doesn't work. That doesn't work in all cases. Right. Um, but sometimes like creating like inflammation or like doing that, can can cause repair. You don't need stem cells at all. You just need your cells to go in there and fix up the tissue and repair it. I mean, that's not going to work if you've like torn your ACL off, right? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are certain. There are certain. Are there are there particular stem cells that people should be looking for if they're if they're interested in in investigating this further? Does it have a particular name? Yeah. So I, I mean, I would say I would say it was those ones that I was talking about from the fat. They're called mesenchymal stem cells, okay. um, MSCs. Yeah, so like those those hold the most promise for things like that you guys are talking about, which is you know repairing joints, uh, repairing damaged tissue, um, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like there's tons of uh, variables, but is there like a time frame that one of those stem cells would like start taking effect, like? 
like how soon would somebody know like oh i got i got some bad stem cells versus yep this is working <laughs> so well the the okay so the bad thing would be like you just you just don't nothing happens right the worst the worst thing that would happen is you get an infection right but of course that's like you don't know if there was bacteria or something in that stem cell batch and you just inject that into a joint that you're going to know real fast um and it's going to be pretty terrible um but i i would think i would think you know for repairing damage like that you know a couple days you should you should be able to tell i mean it's going to take a lot it depends on what the damage is right? right you know if it's just a little bit then it should start happening pretty quickly those cells grow like crazy and if they're in the right place they're going to do what they need to do but yeah, um, the, the scary thing is it's like totally unregulated, right? So you go into you go into the some place and you you think the person's even a do- they don't even need to be like a medical doctor, right, to do some of these procedures, and it's pretty it's pretty scary. I'd imagine this uh, quarantine is probably about to be lifted. Um, do you think we'll end up going back to quarantine, or do you like kind of match? <laughs> yeah, same here. But it yeah, seems like it could be a possibility, huh? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. But I mean, it really, it really does seem like everybody's getting ready to lift things, um, you know, and kind of, kind of relax the the regulations. But yeah, we'll we'll just see. I mean, more people are going to get contaminated with the virus for sure. Um, so I'm just worried about how weird it's going to be, like with people trying to go back to work and trying to socially distance that it's going to be real strange. It's going to be a real strange couple months. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wearing masks and suits and gloves and trying to keep away from each other and all that yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. Do you feel that masks are even, I mean, masks and gloves, uh, like your average person, like we're not in a lab like yourself. So we don't know shit about, you know, what to do with masks and stuff. Do you think, you think it's even uh, worth utilizing? So I, I, the only thing a mask does for this is really just prevent you from spreading the virus. Right. So like, I think, I think a lot of people think that they're wearing a mask to protect themselves, but really all they're doing is they're stopping themselves from spitting all over everything and spreading the virus. So, so masks, I would say like, you know, like if like, do you really think cutting a t-shirt up and putting it on your face is like going to prevent you from getting a virus? Like, no way, man. It's crazy talk. So it, but it, I mean, it, it does prevent you from sneezing all over the place, but you know, you shouldn't be sneezing all over the place anyway. Mm-hmm. For gloves, for gloves, it's like, honestly, I, I don't understand why people wear gloves because, you know, they'll be wearing gloves and then they're touching their face and then they're touching their phone and then they're touching the shopping cart and then they're touching their car door handle. It's like, you didn't, it's the same as your hand, man. Like it's, you're just moving things around. I even see people like, I saw some people uh, the other day that were wearing like knit gloves, you know, like, and I'm like, that's like a sponge. You're just wearing two sponges around on your hands. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not helping. That's for sure. You know, uh, I was actually really curious about this. Now. I wanted to mention this uh, as a good note. I, I got I got a client over in New York, and his mom had cancer, and she got COVID. She got Corona also, but she had very like she recovered pretty quick. Um, so I mean, obviously that's just one single anecdotal case, and she like she was going through treatment for cancer at the time. But it's like you know, 
typically you hear like people with cancer are just going to die when they get this. But I guess, you know, like, like you were mentioning, there are different severities that people will get this and that's good to realize. Yeah. It, it, it's really going to depend on your genetics, like how your body processes that virus. And like, in that case, that person probably just was, was fine with clearing it, you know? And this makes me want to ask you one more thing. Cause like sure. a few, few weeks ago or maybe it was last week i was hearing uh i think peter atia was mentioning a little bit of it he didn't go too deep but he was talking about how like um they're finding that certain blood types manage this better is the, was there like is there currently efficacy to that do you know of that like you heard that before? yeah i don't i don't know anything about i don't know anything about different blood types okay. um i i would doubt it the, like the difference between blood types is it's, it's kind of mm, I, I would doubt i would doubt that it matters on your blood type. I think okay. it more matters on, on the way that your body like handles viruses, um, which might've been like what they were trying to say, like, in a you know, like trying to make it less complicated. Um, but like, just like whether you're a positive or a negative, I don't, I don't think is going to have mm-hmm. much of a, much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With uh, your years in the lab. Um, do you think it's possible that this thing was created in a lab? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it was right, but it's like, it's, it would be so easy to do it. Like it's, it's really not hard. You know, you can, I can order DNA sequences from a company, um, for whatever I want. I, I just type in the letters and they will send me the DNA in a tube. And I, I could put together a variety of those different things and put them in a cell and make a virus. I mean, we do that all the time. We actually make viruses in the lab so that we can inf- infect other cells, right? So, like, we make we make these viruses. Um, I mean, we don't make COVID, right? We're, we're making viruses for to do good things, right? In the right. Lab. But yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't have been generated. I, I don't think that it was, but th- you're not going to be able to find out if it was or if, if it wasn't, honestly. Is this a stuff? Is this a common practice? Like, uh, do people tamper with viruses to maybe try to get ahead? You know, do people maybe say like, "Hey, well, you know, this is a possibility of a virus that could happen, and so uh, we we want to have we want to make vaccines for it." And so, like, is that a, do people do? Like, I don't, I'm unaware of people if we've been doing that throughout our history. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, so when people are trying to study viruses, yeah, they'll they'll try to manipulate things in the genome of the virus to see, like, maybe it infects a little bit stronger, and maybe we should be worried about this variety of virus. So, yeah, people do it. I mean, and and clearly, you know, I don't have any insight on this, really, but, I mean, why wouldn't governments be weaponizing viruses, too? I mean, that's not a terrible, you know, we have stockpiles of smallpox, I'm sure, and I'm sure the Soviet Union has stockpiles of smallpox. And, you know, if you had let that go right now, it, it would be terrible because no one has immunity to smallpox. Like you guys haven't gotten smallpox vaccines. Have you? Like, it was know. like, I, I think they stopped it in the, it's like, it, you would know you have like a little scar. It's like this like round scar on your oh, okay. arm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I know what you're talking yeah, about. So that was the smallpox vaccine. So like, you know, older people have it, but probably, not most of the people on planet earth right now. And if that got out of a lab, it would be bad. 
<laughs> that sounds scary. Um, so if viruses, yeah, no, no, no worries. That's great. Um, so if viruses are fairly easy to make, um, how, what about like antiviruses then? Yeah. So, so I should say <clears throat> they're easy to make, but like companies that, that like synthetically generate all that DNA, usually what they do is they check. So like if I sent in like a sequence that looked like a weird virus, they would basically probably call the FBI and be like, Hey, this guy's trying to make this weird virus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of people working on antiviral technology. Um, it's just really hard because what viruses do is they kind of hijack you. So viruses aren't alive. They're just these chunks of protein and DNA or RNA, just basically genetic material. And what they do is they get inside of you and they trick your body into making more of them. So it's really hard. It's really hard to fight them off because what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you have to teach your body to like not respond to them. Mm. You know, I'm first off, I'm really happy that you said what you said earlier about like, I mean, I'm not saying that this was made in a lab or anything, but like last, I think it was uh, three, three or so weeks ago, there were some people going back and forth on CNN and, and, and a, they were saying it's absolutely impossible for for us to be able to make something like this in the lab, right? But it's it's just funny that that like, because like people are like, oh no, there's no app, there's absolutely no way that that's even remotely possible. But you, obviously with your expertise, you know it's, it actually is just, it's a possible thing to do. Not saying it was done, but it's very possible to do. So it's, it's good that you shared that with us because a lot of people that I know are like, that's absolutely 100% false. And and some of them are, are in like doctors, et cetera. So it's just kind of interesting, I guess. I think that, I think that anyone who's a scientist that tells you like something is a hundred percent like impossible to do. Like they're, they're not a good scientist, right? Like, because there's always a possibility to do this kind of stuff, right? I can never tell you with like a hundred percent certainty, whether, something was done in a certain way right i mean there's always there's always some way around mm. uh that issue yeah i mean do i think it was made in a lab i i don't but i have no reason to say that right i have no evidence to uh, either way right yeah but but how about this like even if it was who cares <laughs> right like we still need to get rid of it. Right. It's it's still a problem. Right. So like if it was engineered, if it was this terrible experiment engineered in China and like let loose on the population, what the hell are we going to do about it? You know, we still need to, we still need to make a vaccine against it. Right. Yep. And on that note, actually, you were mentioning um, uh, that, you know, when the vaccine comes out, you take it. Obviously, you have all these individuals who are like anti-vaxxers and no to vaccines. Um, and it seems that you're not like that. So can, can you explain to some of the audience what would potentially be the benefit of taking it? And also, do you think that for an individual who's like, I really don't want to take that, um, are they taking a risk or are they pretty much okay? And I want to preface this with saying I haven't had a flu vaccine since I was 16 not because like uh like not because i don't like taking vaccines i just don't like needles <laughs> and I've, i mean i've been cool so what what are your opinions on that sure i mean i think that so there's a lot of communicable diseases that are really really dangerous right so i mean measles mumps rubella all these things they're super dangerous like so you probably you're probably not debating like that polio 
is a terrible disease, right? We don't see people with polio anymore because we we're all vaccinated against polio, or at least the majority of us are. And then polio can't gain kind of a foothold in the population. So like coronavirus, you know, like we were talking about what, what's the, what's the fatality rate of it, right? We, mm-hmm. we don't know. So if it's really low, do we really need to have everybody vaccinated against it? No, we don't, but it's, it's more of just kind of like a, it's a social practice, right? So that you're not spreading it to like, maybe, you know, like if you were, if you were at home taking care of your 80 year old grandma and she's got respiratory problems, then I would say, get the vaccine, man. You know, like don't spread it to her. Um, so I, this is like a tough one. You know, I, I would probably take the vaccine um, just cause I have little kids. Um, but I'm with you. I don't always get the influenza vaccine every year either and it's not because i'm scared of the influenza vaccine it's just because I, I don't even think about it because i never i never get influenza yeah and I, I i know that sounds bad you know and maybe i maybe i'm getting it and spreading it to other people but it's just not if you're a healthy and, and i work at a college man so like these kids are sick like all the time and i just do not get sick i have a good immune system um yeah, that sounds bad. That sounds bad for the immunology <laughs> professor to tell you. But I would say, I would say that, I would say that one thing though, you know, all these risks that people think vaccines have, they're they're really unfounded. Like all this, all this causing autism, MMR, like that. It's been disproven like a million times that that causes autism. It really does not cause autism. So if you're like worried about like your kid getting First of all, it's also kind of dick too. So like what you're saying is you're saying is I'd rather have my kid die than get autism. Right. So like, that's, that's pretty fucked up if you think about it on, on, on that level too. Um, but it's, it's just that autism, like those symptoms present at the same time that you're taking those, those vaccines. And so you get the vaccine and you think your kid got autism, but no, autism is likely genetic and your kid had autism before you just didn't notice it until you know, it's correlating with that vaccine. So I would say, I would say everything has a risk, right? And so like what, what you're asking is like, is the risk of coronavirus worth the risk of like an adverse reaction with the, with the vaccine? Usually there's no adverse reactions with vaccines. So I would say, yeah, sure. Like, why not take it? Um, but you know, it's especially, it's especially crazy for like these diseases that can like wipe out popular, like measles is crazy. Like measles can alter your immune system for the rest of your life. And I think that people are like, oh, it's no big deal. I got measles when I was a kid. And like, yeah, but your immune system is not as good as it was before you had measles. Um, So with like the flu shot, it seems like we almost never get it right. Um, Are you confident that when the, uh, this, this vaccine comes to fruition, do you think that we will get it right? Yeah, I think that it depends how they make it. And the technology behind that is changing a lot. So I think that I think that they're more likely to get it right this time. Influenza is really crazy. It's really hard to guess what version of influenza is going to be out there. And it takes a long time to make the vaccines. And I think what people are realizing now is like, we need a different way to make vaccines. And so I think that there's, there's different technology now that's coming on the market to basically make these vaccines faster and more effective. 
And so I think, I think once that rolls out, I think, yeah, it should be, it should be good. But yeah, exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, you make the vaccine. I don't know if you guys remember like H5N1, um, you know, what, like 12 years ago or something. Like we basically made a vaccine and by the time we made the vaccine, the pandemic was basically over. We had already cleared it from the population. Like that's how long it took to make the vaccine. I just fear that that's exactly what's going to happen here, which is like, we're going to have this, you know, we, we, we're crested this peak and now we're coming down and then we're going to be like, we have the vaccines. Who cares? It's not even here anymore. Why are are we excited about this? But I guess we'll see. And then next year it'll probably be different. So then we'll have to make, you're always playing catch up, right? Have you been able to sleep with uh, two little twins running around? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Luckily, luckily they're good sleepers. So that's (laughs) nice. Yeah. Now they are. Before the first year, the first year was pretty rough. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have kids, but I have kids. Yeah. Yeah. The first year was pretty tough. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, You helped, uh, you helped us out tremendously. So thank you so much. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. All right. Thanks a lot, man. See you guys. Shit, man. That guy was awesome. <laughs> he was it's the coolest college professor ever. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he was right down the middle. You, you didn't hear anything politically charged. Um, he wasn't uh, emotional one way or the other. So, you know, I, I, th- I think, um, you know, he had it. He had his vantage point. Uh, you know, he had his own his own thoughts towards certain things. But he was just giving it to you straight after all these years of, uh, you know, being in the lab and all his expertise and education and everything I, I thought that was really cool yeah i really like what he said there at the end with the uh the vaccinations um you know just things that i i wasn't even considering like if i get the vaccine then i can go hang out with my parents that sort of thing whereas before i'm like i don't want to compromise whatever i got going on by injecting myself with something but that's just that's a it's a new perspective that i didn't have now has that changed my mind no but it's an awesome thing to think about now. I really wish we, Oh, I really wish we asked him like, maybe you guys can answer this for me, how exactly it works because like a vaccine doesn't stop you from being able to get infected. Or if you get infected, do you just like immediately fight it off? Cause I'm like, yeah. Vaccine from my understanding, and this is probably not good, but my understanding is it's, it's as if you already had it. Okay. Okay. You know, and sometimes in some cases, but I don't believe, I don't believe this is the case with this one in particular, but normally they, they give you like a dosage of the actual illness itself mm. so that you make the antibodies. But I think I'm not a hundred percent sure I, I shouldn't even bother <laughs> mentioning, but anyway, my understanding is it, it's almost as if you were sick. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I, I got my 12 year degree in how the flu vaccine works. So don't question it. But yeah, as far as I understand, you get like a dead version of the virus. So that way your body recognizes it and can develop the antibodies by like, you know, like uh, by looking at that replica. So that way when it does come around again, they're like, hey, we already messed you up once. We're going to do it again, which is why when people do get it, they still could get the flu virus because it's a new version of the virus. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, and sometimes people even feel sick sometimes after they get the shot. That's yeah. That's why I could stopped. be psychological, but it could also be physiological. You know, it could it could you know it could be because you got a little dosage of of the actual thing itself. 
purely anecdotal and it happened to me and it sucked and this isn't like a reason this isn't why i didn't take vaccines i like said i didn't like needles but the worst flu of my life was when i got my flu when i got my first flu vaccine <laughs> yeah it was the absolute worst i was throwing up for days oh, yeah that, that's that's happened to me every time that well not throwing up that bad or anything but from yeah. what i understand and i was totally joking about that degree is that uh, you already had that virus in you. It's just when you got the injection, oh. it just kind of like woke it up or so- something like that. So it it was just, it, it just seems to be always coincidental. Every time you get the, the flu shot, you get sick. It's because you yeah. already had it. That could be, that could very well be it. However, it since then you that. haven't probably gotten sick from a flu, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's the kicker. <laughs> yeah. He had some, uh, great information in there i like the stuff about the stem cells and them uh making uh making that fish meat sounds (laughs) sounds amazing we're gonna have to like go try some of that out that sounds so interesting yeah i would eat that i wonder like uh you know does it still smell like fish does it you know does it does it it sounds to me like it's fake so that it doesn't uh I mean, we didn't really ask about the freshness or anything, but it, it sounds like it doesn't need to be, it probably just needs to be cold because it's probably alive. Probably like, well, it's probably as alive as your meat is that's in your fridge. But um, yeah, weird. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, I would imagine they could probably make it smell like whatever, like, you know, they're, they're making it. So maybe they can like remove some of like nachos. Mm, nachos. This is, this is, this would be the cool thing. Um, if like, if they're making it from like real, like, yeah, he said he's, they're starting, they're taking the whatever from real fish and they're growing it. Right. But if they're able to like do that at large scale, do you guys know how cheap sashimi could be? If it was like genetically (laughs) grown sashimi. Also, yeah. Also too. I mean, you know, you have, you have grass fed beef, right. And then the people are thinking the benefit of grass fed beef is the ratio, right? Well, if we're going to make fake stuff, we can really, you know, amplify it and make it really nutritionally sound. So you can make, you can make a steak have all of the components that liver would have. You could make a hamburger have that. You can make bacon have that. And I think that's why, you know, I think it's why people are diving into uh, some of these things. As always, there's always like a price to pay. You know, there's always something's got to give, you know, uh, and when anything's too good to be true, <laughs> there's always always some sort of consequence to it. But it, it's just a really interesting field, interesting yeah. thing to uh to get into what I found really interesting that he said, and this is, this was done at West side barbell by a lot of people. And he was just talking about the needle, like just like doing your own surgery, which was, which is really uh, a really an interesting thing. But Louie used to always tell me, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I just inject with saline solution. And I was like, saline solution. I was like, that's just, that's just basically like salt water. And he, and, and I was like, why do you inject salt water? And he's like, well, he's like i'm not just gonna stab myself with a needle i'm not crazy (laughs) (laughs) so he he basically he basically saying the saline sluice doesn't do anything but he's like i'm not crazy smelly he's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna just gonna randomly shoot hit hit myself up with a needle for no reason not inject something wow so he's been doing shams yeah when i heard about that sham surgery thing i was like whoa like just stick a needle in there, cause inflammation and potentially heal yourself. That's, that's cool. I wouldn't trust myself though. Like, but that's a really awesome idea. Yeah. What if you hit the wrong, I mean, like, let's just say, let's say your knee bugs you and you hit the wrong spot in your knee. Like what if you're fraying that, 
You know, what if you're fraying that little piece that you need? Like, what if you're stabbing? Them? <laughs> but I guess the hole would be so small that it would be, it, it probably wouldn't matter. I don't know. I would find a way to mess it up for sure. <laughs> yeah, we need, yeah, we need a doctor or something. <laughs> we need a doctor. Yeah, we need a doctor to make like a YouTube channel and just have um, tutorials on sham surgeries. Just have him show you where you need to inject this needle to get the inflammation so you can do it yourself at home. The great, such a great idea. Yeah, the great thing is he wouldn't actually need to be like a real doctor because these are fake yeah. surgeries. These so. are fake surgeries. <laughs> Yeah, but there's also like there's been studies where they take like people with knee problems and like half of them, they they do the surgery. The other half, they don't. And the ones that they don't, they tell them that they did and they actually recover faster than the ones that got it. So this is just a lot of that was meniscus stuff too, meniscectomies. Wow. I think that's what one of the, the tests you're talking about happened. Like half the group actually got a meniscectomy and half the group didn't. And a majority of the group that didn't just totally recovered. So it's you're right sometimes you don't need a real surgery and a meniscectomy that's when you it prevents you from having kids right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys get a, you, you guys you guys uh getting a workout yet today yeah i hit up, uh hit up sh- shoulders this morning i did something i've never tried before like uh, I, I was sitting down and i did a like a like a shoulder raise with a plate well a 25 pound plate mm-hmm. and then like did twists with it and then down my shoulder and shout yeah my, i was shouting it was did you bad. Shake, shake your did you shake your butt a little bit too i would have if i wasn't sitting down so oh yeah i, I was gonna try to shake the booty in there a little bit once yeah. you turn you know that thing was man that was it was killer but yeah so i did that and then i'll probably uh do a hike on the treadmill or something later yeah I haven't gotten a workout in yet. I will after this. I got in a 10 minute. No, probably it was like a 20 something minute squat on Instagram this morning. It was like 25 minutes. That felt good. Um, but yeah, I have a confession to make Uh-oh. yesterday, yesterday on Sunday, I only got in one workout and I want to be, I want to be truthful to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get, it's damn, I'm going to get my two in. You're off the team. Sorry. Does he have to do three, Andrew? Does he have to do three today? You could do a makeup, and then you'll feel better about everything. Shit. Yeah. I could try. Yeah. I'm going to try and get into makeup. I'll do something now that I'll jump rope later, and then I'll do another kettlebell, kettlebell workout at night. Mm-hmm. I've been doing uh, 100 squats and 100 push-ups every day, and that's been feeling really good. And today I did it with the weight vest on, and that was just, that was just horrible. I, I can't even believe doing 20 squats is hard. Like, it's just stupid. Like, I, 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 the vest is 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually holding, like, I hold, like, a 10 or a 20. Um, it, it shouldn't be hard. But once I get into, like, the third round of that, I'm totally dying. My legs are legs are on fire. And then I was I was trying to I was trying to hit, hit up you guys for it, but I didn't hit you guys up early enough. I uh, was able to do it with Jessica. I hit her up, and, and she oh. did uh, her 100 oh. reps with uh, her, her slingshot on. And um, we went back and forth doing squats and push-ups. It was good. Shoot. Okay. Let's do that tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that tomorrow morning. Sounds good. That'll be fun. Yeah, I, I, I definitely was dogging it this weekend. Uh, Friday, I did a. I've been doing these. They're they're like walk run hikes. So it's like mm-hmm. uphill walking, and then not as steep like running. 
it's been awesome. So like th- the whole week I was climbing up this mountain and then Friday it was like, all right, we're going all the way back down. I'm like, Oh shit. So it was a whole like downhill sprint basically. It fucked my knees up. So this, <laughs> it was bad. Like, you know, we were just talking to Ross Edgley about like, Oh, you got to run on your toes and you know, do that. And like, I wasn't expecting to run at all. And then all of a sudden here I am going downhill. I'm like, how the fuck are you supposed to run on your toes downhill? So this weekend, my knee was killing me. My cankles were all sore. It was bad. You're running downhill on the treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, it goes to like a negative six decline. So it's, it was pretty, yeah. It was I, I would, I would just say, don't ever run downhill. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and the same thing with like, you know, you, I know some people have been seeing me with like the weight vest and stuff and it's, it's good to go out there and it's good to be a tough guy and it's good to, it's good to work hard. But you know, I've been, as I've been doing this, I'm, I'm learning, you know, and, and, and running, running where there's a step higher than where your foot is each time works great. So like a hill is fantastic a um a st- stairs are great but if you have a weight vest on and you're trying to just do a regular run as ross was pointing out you know you're four or five times the amount of pressure on each side and you might be like ah screw that i can handle it and you might be able to handle it but you probably you know most likely are only going to be able to handle it for a little bit and we don't want to see that happen and i for me with my knee it's like it's just been a little my right knee is flared up i've had this since i was a teenager basically um i just i have a little bit of like jumper's knee it will get inflamed a little bit with some tendonitis and then usually it just you know miraculously goes away at some point but but anyway yeah running downhill is is tough and uh i would i would advise especially if you're newer to running what i was doing on instagram the other day makes you look like a maniac makes you look like a weirdo but i would advise going down like sideways if you're going to try to still run so you almost do like a basketball slide or, um, or you can, your, your front foot could be pointed straight and your other foot and your body could be kind of this way. And you each time it just watch the video, you each time lean to the side of the hill and it makes it a lot less uh, stressful, but yeah, just trying to figure out how to make the, these workouts. It's funny. I, I texted Jessica this morning and said, I've never worked out so much in my life. I'm just like working out nonstop. I'm like working out and eating, working out and eating, working out and eating. I feel like an athlete over here. <laughs> uh, seriously. It's not funny though. Like you're not using the gym, but you're working out more. It's, I don't know. I think it's just a, it's a funny irony here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been so list like watching you and stuff. I've been doing um, a lot of like the kettlebell stuff mm-hmm. and I was just joking on my Instagram. I'm like, I never thought I would dislike the numbers 21 15 9 so much because i was like ah like i'll just do like some snatches each 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 side 21 15 9 how bad can it be and i'm like that was bad that was real bad so it's been yeah it's been fun getting creative and then also i I mentioned this before like the anxiety um not that it's bad it's it's fun we all love going to the gym but like for me personally like oh i have to get everything ready i don't want to forget something because once i go to the gym i'm going to stay there and work so it's like oh i got to get everything going now it's like i wake up and whatever shirt i'm wearing you know just just training that and then take a shower after it's been it's been pretty nice there's no barrier stopping it correct yeah. yeah i think this is the way that people should always treat their fitness you know like just 
you know, treat it, treat it like a 10 minute walk, you know, treat it as if it's just going to be something simple and something that you can repeat. It doesn't always have to be this, uh, workout where you're dripping with sweat from head to toe, although those workouts are great and those are probably going to be the most beneficial, but even just hitting a couple squats and a couple push-ups throughout the day, just doing 10 and 10 and just do it a bunch of different times. Somebody told me the other day that they, uh, for every hour they were awake, they did 20 squats and 20 push-ups. And I was just like, shit, man, that's probably a lot of work at the end of the day. You might do 200 of each. And, uh, it's just like you're chipping away. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jordan Syatt has been doing, uh, 300 pushups a day. He's trying, somebody told him that it's impossible to do a hundred pushups in a hundred seconds. And so he's all fired up. So he's gonna He's, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to get after that. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not impossible. There's people can do all kinds of freaky things, but that would be a difficult one to try to figure out. Yeah. Chef Rush could probably do it in half that. He could. No, Chef Rush could do it for sure. A hundred and a hundred. But yeah, no, this quarantine's been, it's been giving us a lot of uh, opportunity to do new things. Like I've been doing more push-up work now too. And that, uh, that uh, SI issue that I'm not SI issue, the um, clavicle issue that I've been having here has been getting better as I've been doing more push-ups. So it's, there are small things that are just getting better. We can print, there's a bunch of things that we can improve on. That's what people need to remember. We don't need a barbell to still get improvement in terms of our fitness. What are you guys thinking of that uh, Jordan documentary? You both watching it? Amazing. Incredible. Yeah, I what, what I love most about it is it's going to show people exactly why Jordan was the best. Um, that, that's that, that was my first takeaway for sure. But I also had no idea that Pippin was paid so little. That is crazy. Yeah, that made me so feel so like bad for him because he he was such a good player. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, it was. I found it all to be very interesting too because like he's with the most iconic, you know, person of all time. He's with uh, the guy who's made the most money. Like. Jordan can't be like, Hey, can you hook Scotty up with a Nike deal? <laughs> or whatever? I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what their relationship was like when it comes to that sort of thing or, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's all just, it's, it's all really interesting. And then I was also shocked to hear the way that Pippin started to act, but he must've just been super frustrated with how he was treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he must've been like when he was, he just kind of continually made fun of uh, 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 the, the yeah kraus like and that i mean that's just like i don't know that's really ugly it's like you'd be better off just saying hey man like i fucking hate the way i'm being treated this this is bullshit you know i don't i I just i was like wow that's so but what what i was thinking when i heard that side of it i was like oh well maybe i don't know maybe, maybe he was a little bit hard to work with so maybe that's why they weren't paying him you know what what he deserved or whatever like there was probably a reason for it mm. um I, it sounded like the main reason was that the contract that they gave him just was not good and he kind of signed it anyway and was kind of stuck stuck in that i mean that's what his i think it was his attorney that was talking about it he was like i told him not to ever sign that contract but it wasn't it wasn't his uh, attorney it was like um it was the general manager i think mm. yeah that or that that guy like he was either owner or general manager that was like, I told him not to sign it, you know, (laughs) but Pippin like, yeah. But what I, I think 
one thing that I'm not surprised about was Michael's digging at that Krauser guy because you heard, I mean, you've heard of like some of the things that apparently Michael yeah. has said to his teammates. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've heard reports of that. He would like just absolutely make them feel like shit. So oh, yeah. that wasn't tear, too surprising. Yeah, you tear into him. I, I was also shocked too to hear Jordan uh, like cussing so much. And then also I think, I think he's got like booze next to him too. It looks like he has like a little thing of liquor next to him. Yeah. So all that was a little odd to me because I'm like, you know, a lot of people watching this are going to, not that I care. I think it's cool that he let it fly. And I'm, and it just shows that um, his still emotional attachment to everything right mm-hmm. um but i just i found it to be interesting because i'm like man there's a lot of young kids that are probably going to watch this that never seen him do his thing they don't know and now they're going to be kind of seeing that they're like i for me i was a little disappointed because i'm like ah oh, they're going to see kind of some of the wrong shit about him almost mm-hmm. you know but uh i'm sure he doesn't give a fuck right no <laughs> we, we can just tell everybody that it was iced tea you know the same it color definitely tequila definitely his tequila yeah, <laughs> for sure yo but i will say this one thing that got me super fired up was seeing how like you you heard his high school basketball stories where like he didn't even make the varsity team as a freshman or sophomore and then you heard his his uh how is a uh, someone from his college basketball team or it was a coach or something saying yeah when he came in here he wasn't the best on the team you know there were guys that were like yeah i was beating him one-on-one back then but like that's the thing like you hear about his work ethic like he wasn't the best just stepping on but that work ethic that insane work ethic and always trying to improve always trying to figure out what am i doing wrong here what am i doing there that turned him into the best basketball player we've ever seen it's not like he was always the best basketball player ever which is what a lot of people think right and he did get really good early on you know he did get you know, he, he, when he was at North Carolina, like he was one of the better players. And, but, uh, I think it was Roy Williams, who's a, you know, legendary basketball coach. He was a coach at North Carolina. He's like, yeah, we just, we thought, oh, we would invite him out and, you know, see, see what he does. And we, we were thinking, you know, he's, he's a great player, like no question. But then he's like, by the time he left, which was, I think just a few weeks later, like, by the time he left, we knew he was the best basketball player we've, we'd ever seen. And that's amazing. And then also I found it interesting too, cause I forget that, you know, I was super young when some, some of the stuff was going on, but like when he gets hurt and he reaches down and grabs his ankle, he's wearing like the Jordans, like he's wearing the Jordans. And I was mm-hmm. like, I kind of forgot that he was, he was like air Jordan, like so early on, like out of the jump, out of the gate, he was already like a badass. And they talked about how much confidence he had when he played against the Celtics. And I just, I remember that era. And I remember things being like that. Like when someone popped on the scene, it was like, just, I don't know, the companies invested everything they could in them and, and the, the fans invested everything. But now it's like, there's so many people that are, there's so many people with millions of followers. It's kind of, it's diluted, right? So you don't know, is this guy really, you know, all that, is this guy really something you, you kind of don't, they say it about everybody. So you don't know, like mm-hmm. UFC is really guilty of that. You're like, this is the best guy to ever step into the octagon and they go crazy. And you're like, he's won three championship fights. You're like, get the fuck out of here. It's not the best guy, <laughs> you know, but they, they, they're trying to, they're trying to really hype it up, you know? Yeah, I, I can't believe that Chicago, like the Bulls, were that terrible before uh, Jordan got there. Mm. You know, that's again. So, like, he he made it to the league a year before I was born. So obviously, I didn't understand. I didn't 
you know, experienced any of the, the stuff before, but I was like, no way. Like in my whole lifetime, like the, the bull's emblem is like, it means so freaking much like that to me is like greatness, right? Like you see it, you know, it, you recognize it. So to think that at one point, like that was garbage, like that is mind blowing. But also that story of him, like when he was talking about, like uh, when he went to the hotel room and he was seeing yes. lines of coke, alcohol, <laughs> women, <laughs> and he was just like, "Ah, oh, peace," just yeah. going and cooking his food. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. That was so good. Yeah, I mean, young Jordan, I think, can teach us like so many things. Like maybe even more than older Jordan, but like that, like everything in college too. When he's like, "I want to be the best player like that's ever played," and then he's like, "Oh, where you're gonna?" His coach who uh he said it was roy williams mark yeah. okay man that I, I can't wait to rewatch all that because he's just like oh like yeah you're gonna have to work you know way harder than everybody else then he's like but in high school I, I just did what everyone else did and he's like oh my mistake i thought you said you wanted to be the best ever never mind and so like he's like well, i'm gonna show you it's like oh shit here we go like so you know and then his coach saying like oh like yeah you probably shouldn't come back another year you need to go pro like that would never happen these days, you know, I mean, obviously uh, players do their one and done now, but man, like what an amazing coach. Yeah. Jordan just had, he had it all when it came, when it came to being able to score, you know, he just had so many different facets of his game. Sometimes some of the bigger guys, some of the bigger basketball players, you know, like a Carl Malone or some of the, or even like a Larry bird, who's like six foot nine. Um, they have a lot of really good footwork. They can dribble well and they can create enough space between them and the opponent to where they can get a really good shot off or like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the ultimate example of that with his, his hook shot. Like he just needed just a little bit of room and he could toss the ball in the basket every single time. But Jordan, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was six, five, six, six, and he had to kind of create space with his body, with his speed, but he could also drive the lane and, and dunk all over people. He was extremely explosive. Um, but the, the way that he would arrive at shots was, was different than most people. The way he was able to like step away from somebody or create space was a little nudge of like his forearm or, I mean, it was like, it was like masterful. It was like unbelievable to watch. And I think when you later saw Kobe Bryant playing, that's where you saw like, you know, Kobe just mimicked so many of those things and he was able to kind of find his, some of his own, some of his own rhythm and some of his own shots, uh, his own, his own way. But, and Jordan was just so good at that. It's, it's, it's a weird skill set to think about, you know, it's like, Oh, well, I got to be good at shooting, but man, there's so much more to it because you have to get away from the other guy. You have to be able, and Jordan could jump like crazy. So, I mean, he could hit, you know, uh, he can jump high enough to be like over you, but even with that, he still has to get enough space away from you to be able to see the basket you know, the right way. That was yeah. one of the more surprising things that I saw. Like there was a picture of him in college jumping for a jump shot. Right. And you see a lot of guys in the NBA, like take jump shots, but the amount of air that they have underneath them when they do, like when they, when they hop up for that, it's not comparable. Like it's like he'd spring up and he's already above you for that jump shot. It's crazy. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny how it had like all the, uh, the, the centers in the league were like, ah, yeah, there's awesome. no way that a short, uh, a smaller player could you know be dominant in this league blah, blah blah it's like oh man and then of course you know like uh, kind of on the same lines about people being wrong about it like man sam Bowie, bowie 
being a second round pick over Jordan because they already had Drexler, which I understand and I don't necessarily blame them for it, but man, that's got to hurt Portland so bad to pass on him. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Jordan, you know, was so like quick and explosive. I mean, you really haven't seen another player. I mean, I, I guess Kobe would be the only thing like, LeBron is a different is a different player. LeBron's probably faster than Jordan was. LeBron is like just a complete mutant athlete. But I would I would say that Jordan was quicker. You know, he was he kind of had a quicker first step, a quicker uh, a quicker burst. But it's it's um yes, yeah, it's, it's just it's cool for me to have like you know watch so many of his games and like I've told you guys before, I got an opportunity to see him in a playoff game and, and, you know, live in person and stuff like that. And it was just, he's just a amazing athlete. But what I saw in the documentary was like all the off the court stuff being like just as important as the actual game itself. You know, how, how, how you play the game of life is uh, probably the most important thing. Cause there's probably other guys that have been through the league who have the same, uh, the same skill set as Jordan, you know, as crazy as that might sound the same genetics or same, you know, they, they have a lot of the qualities that he had. Look at Russell and, Westbrook. Yeah. Then they're not able to control themselves maybe off the court as much, or even not like, not like they're out of control off the court, but maybe just, they don't know how to deflect just all that. No, like, it's gotta be impossible. I don't know. I don't know how anybody would do it, be able to do it. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like there are a lot of guys in the NBA that like have the hops or have the quickness, but they just can't put it together like he did. But one thing I really can't wait for is I want to see, I'm excited for them to like uh, get into the gambling stuff because you hear a lot about it, how like he'd be at a casinos like the night before a game or something, or he wouldn't get much sleep or something. He'd come and he'd kill it. Like, I wonder if they're going to have any of that on camera or if not, we'll see. He was always so far ahead of everybody that that all he was always thinking about is like how to play games with people. So like some of the stuff I've heard is that like he would, you know, let's say he was traveling with us and he would say, hey, and Seema, like, I bet you that my bag comes out first, you know, and you'd be like, what? How do you like, why would your bag come out first? And he would be like, hey, what, you want to bet? And, you know, you bet like a hundred bucks or something. And then he would get he would tip somebody like 20 bucks or 40 bucks to get his bag out to make sure his bag comes out first, but he would do it without uh, you knowing it. And so he played these like mind games on people and then his bag would come out first and you'd be like, how the fuck did his bag come out first out of all these different bags that we got, you know, and he would make 60 bucks off the deal. But I mean, only a person that's ahead of everybody else could even entertain like thinking like that. Cause otherwise you're thinking about, Oh, we're, we're playing against the Utah jazz tonight. And I got to, you know, I got these assignments and I got to remember these plays. Like everyone else is all anxious and thinking about, you know, where they're going to, um, you know, where they're going to party after the game. And like all these, they're thinking of 9,000 different things, but he's always, uh, you know, 10 steps ahead of everybody else. I, I can't believe uh, Kraus going into the 97 season being what like a fat little hobbit. Yeah, that and being like, oh, this is the greatest basketball team ever assembled. After this year, we're done. Like, what are you I, like? Just unbelievable. Like, I was just blown away that they, you know, already had predetermined that that was going to be the case. I'm excited to see some of the stuff with the Pistons coming up because the yes. Pistons beat the shit out of him. It was so good. Uh, I don't. Do you know anything about that, Insima? 
I've heard about it. Yeah, how they had the uh, it was like well, they're the ones with the Jordan defense, right? How they just literally just like fly on him and just like, they had they had the actual they were called the Jordan rules. Jordan rules. There it is. That's yeah, what it was. and I don't I don't know like uh, if they'll if they'll actually show like all the they 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 literally had a list of rules for him. But I mean the main rules just kind of beat the hell out of them. The, the, the main thing they taught too was just like don't let him fly. You know, don't let him get through the air. So they would just anytime he would jump, they'd just try to fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think he was a power forward. Might have even been a center, but I, oh my gosh. Lambier? Bill Lambier. Bill Lambier would just be like, they're not going to call a foul every single time. So they would just fuck him up and just like brute, like oh physically, gosh. like just like not even fouling him, like just fucking throwing him around and being like, they can't call a foul every single time. And oh my gosh, dude, so bad. Bill Ambeer is, he's got a great story. There's a story on the Detroit Pistons and, uh, that era of basketball. And, and, uh, he, you know, he, he, he's like, everyone hates him. Everyone always hated Bill Ambeer because he always started fights. He was a dirty player. Mm-hmm. He was obviously a very good player, but he wasn't as talented as a lot of other guys. So he had to use like a lot of grit. Um, but he would just annoy people. He'd get into fights all the time. And then another reason why another reason for people to hate him is that he grew up really wealthy. You know, here he is playing with all these other other guys that, you know, maybe grew up uh, not as fortunate as he did. And uh, anyway, long story short is Isaiah Thomas. You know, he works his way through the ranks of the NBA and becomes one of the better, better players in the league. And he buys a house and um he, he buys a house on the same street that like Bill Ambeer grew up on. <laughs> Bill Ambeer's like. He's like, oh, I heard you moved next to my parents or something like that. <laughs> and he's, and then Isaiah Thomas was like, what? He's like, you grew up in that neighborhood? He's like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Cute. You got a house next to my parents. That's yeah. hella funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's crazy. Even, even so, like NBA players then, they made money. But it's crazy to like see how much more money NBA players make now. Like Scotty Pippen's uh six year eighteen million dollar deal. And we got NBA players that are doing like three for like ninety and stuff like that. Three years for like ninety million. Like that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Pippen signing a seven year deal that's unheard of. I I don't care who you are, how much money they're gonna pay you, nobody takes like I mean, a five-year deal is like holy shit. This guy's here for life, but the okay. guy took seven. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And then it, it was a different time, but I hadn't thought about that about like somebody being like, man, you should um go do some McDonald's commercials to make up for the uh, the money right now, and then once you become a free agent, we'll figure it out. But. Like, yeah, today players will figure it out. Like players come out of college with like their own logos and name brands of like apparel and stuff. Right, right. So that way they can make up for some of the costs or whatever it may be. And I just think it was just, it was just a combination of things like bad timing for Pippen. And then also, I mean, shit, you're playing alongside the best player ever. So yeah, (laughs) it's tough. You know, what's funny. You guys know who LaMelo Ball is? Yeah. You heard of him? Yeah. You, you remember uh, uh, LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball? like the. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. LaMelo Ball is the younger brother, the youngest brother, who's like 6'7 now. He's probably going to be one of the top draft picks next year. But he was playing in Australia, and apparently him and his manager, Jermaine Jackson, purchased an Australian uh, national basketball team. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So, so like, this is a thing, like he's, he hasn't even hit the NBA yet, but like there are these college, like, like NBA players that have a lot of followers that have like some people that are helping them with business that are making big old moves before they get into the NBA. It's crazy. Yeah, it is wild. Yeah. One thing I, one, another thing I liked about the film was, uh, seeing the way that Jordan handled, um, his coach, not allowing him to get back in the game when it was like 30 seconds left and they, and they lost. I love that. He like, he didn't do anything at the moment. You know, he didn't like lose his cool or whatever. He was just chilling on the bench. And then when they got in the locker room, he like closed the door and like, you know, I, I think they had like a meeting about it. They didn't really say a ton about what he said, but I, I like the fact that he just, he kind of he kind of kept to himself for a minute and then he expressed to his team like this is bullshit like we got to still figure out ways to win you know you never never play to lose and and that kind of stuff and i thought that was i i think there's a lot of great characteristics and i think andrew you you hit the nail on the head saying that uh there's a lot of good things to learn you know i hope a lot of people watch it i think that was the second episode right yeah yeah i hope a lot of people watch it and check it out because it's there's so much to learn from it. Mm. Is that the one that like, I, am I mistaken? Was that the game that like he was taken out? That white guy ended up making the last shot. So they won, right. but yeah. Kraus was pissed because like now they're in the playoffs and they were trying to like, they were trying mm-hmm. to tank so they could get better uh, draft, whatever position. Mm-hmm. draft position. But still, yeah. yeah. That's... Dude, did you see that move that Jordan put? I mean, he put a lot of moves on Bird because he scored like sixty three points. The but... most iconic through the legs, yeah, step where he back. goes boom, 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 through the like, yeah. what the like how like just can't even can't even halfway mimic anything that resembles that, and even try to bother even trying to make a shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then meanwhile, you have one, you know, one of the all-time greats guarding you. I, I realize Larry Bird is not really nearly as quick as Jordan is, but he still is a Hall of Famer, you know. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. I thought it was also really cool, and this is this is probably my favorite part is that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird they knew. Like, I I thought that was cool. I thought they were like, hey, like here's the <laughs> here's the savior of the entire league. Yeah. Like let's just watch this thing grow and let's let's uh let's be um let let's be like cool with it rather than like being a dick because they were like no he's the best player period they're like there's no no reason for him to pile up a bunch of championships like we don't need to wait ten years he's the best goddamn player in the league by far I thought that was amazing because those guys those guys are I mean those guys are some of the best players of all time larry bird called him god i think that was the funniest thing yeah that was crazy yeah and these are these are old school players right like these are hardcore like they're not going to give up any any ground they're not going to let you get any leverage on them and then yeah here's uh you know magic and bird both multi-championship winners mvps the the absolute cream of the crop being like uh this little guy's gonna kick our ass (laughs) (laughs) Mm mm-hmm and it's crazy because he was still like what year two or year three. He wasn't a rookie that season. They were talking about it, but it was like year two or year three that they were saying this about him. Like he was, he was yeah. insane. It's I can't insane. wait till they get into more of like Jordan in practice because they they showed a little bit of it where, of him yelling and stuff. But like I, I I heard of the story about him like straight up punching uh, Steve yeah. Kerr like in practice. So it's like man, I I'm, I want to see I want to hear Steve Kerr talk about it. Hopefully he does. But that, you know, that kind of stuff is great, too, because it shows you that, like, you know, like Steve Kerr must have been 
reactive enough to have a fight you know and that shows you that both guys care so much about what they're doing maybe like a fight isn't the best way to resolve it but maybe they can't communicate to figure out a way to resolve the conflict but i always thought that like we had fights in football practice and stuff all the time my coach always talked about how he was like hey you know i don't want you guys acting irrational and, and hurting each other but you guys care. We give a shit. We want to win, you know, and it's, it's because somebody, you know, continues to jump off sides or somebody continues to hold or not run the play the right way. And you're just, you're also tired too. And that's another thing with practices. You're tired and you're the, the practice of trying to make something perfect is um, excruciating and it is like super frustrating. You're trying to be better than you were yesterday. And when it's not working out, it makes you so mad. I think, Jiu-jitsu is a great example of that because in the beginning, your your mind your mind is like in a knot. You're like, I remember how to get out of this last time, but I can't I can't figure it out this time. And boom, there you get tapped out. And even worse, when you're trying to figure out an offensive move, you're like, I have the guy's arm, but I can't do anything with it because you can't remember what what you did. And it it just is can be really really frustrating. Yeah, that's the whole that's that's the whole journey, and it happens all the way through all belts. <laughs> Although it gets a little bit easier to deal with, but yeah, you're exactly right. Man. Dun Dennis Rodman, when you get more, when we get to see more of him, that's going to be fun because we barely we haven't even we haven't gotten to Dennis Rodman yet, so that's going to be good. I think that's the next episode, right? Really? Oh, I, I didn't so. know that. Okay, sick. Yeah, it is weird <laughs> how they keep jumping back and forth, but. Man, I just I, I love all of it though. It's so it I, it's perfect. <laughs> you guys hear about uh, what Snoop Dogg said today for no. today? Oh, uh, said leave out, yeah, leave out some milk and cookies for him. <laughs> oh, it's four twenty. <laughs> it's four twenty. I'm assuming that means he's going to be like Santa Claus and drop off a lot of weed to everybody. I don't know. Got it. Ooh. Or maybe he's just hungry. I'm not sure. Maybe it's sure. the munchies, or yeah, or he's gonna be gifting people weed. Oh god, terrible! Now you guys are gonna. I know you guys are gonna go get high as fuck right now, right? I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah, <okay>. not me. <laughs> Andrew, that didn't sound legit, actually. No, you're, I, right there? you're like <laughs> not me. I'm re- oh, because I'm already paranoid because I'm high as fuck already. <laughs> <laughs> i feel it bro <laughs> no all right mind. guys andrew take us on out of here buddy thank you everybody for checking out this episode i can't wait to talk more about the uh the last dance in future episodes um shout out to perfect keto for sponsoring this episode if you guys can please follow up and check out the links in the youtube description and itunes show notes please make sure you're following the podcast at mark bell's power project on instagram at mb power project on tiktok and twitter uh, my instagram is at i am andrew z and in sema if people want to get in touch with you where are you at and sema yin on instagram and youtube and sema yin yang on tiktok and twitter all links are on instagram mark oh hey peeps look at this this is uh Hap Thor Bjornsson. I don't know if you can see that there. Mm-hmm. You see oh. what he says? He said, want to have a chat tomorrow? This is going to be good. When's tomorrow? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When is tomorrow? Icelandic <laughs> time <Soup>. zone. Soup. <laughs> yeah, soon. Yeah, I'll hit him up and see what we can uh, see what we can get going. And in SEMA, I let him know that you th- you uh, thought you could tap him out very, very easily. So uh, uh-huh. we'll, you'll have to answer some questions about that tomorrow. You know, I'd, I'd be down to roll with Thor. I think he would, would be just like Hulk smash me. But it Dude, would have be you ever seen him? Have you ever seen him box? 
I saw him like him versus Conor McGregor or something. Yeah, well, he yeah. he did he did some boxing against um, like a professional boxer, and he he did awesome. Like he did so it was it was completely like unbelievable to me, and people were just shredding him apart. I mean, he got his ass kicked. You know, he got he eventually got his ass kicked, but holy shit, man, he did he did he did amazing. I mean, he was going against another heavyweight. I mean, like if you don't know how to box. I mean, that would be like somebody going against you in jujitsu and, and, and doing really well. It wouldn't, it doesn't make any sense if you don't have, if you've never done any jujitsu. Yeah. And I don't think he's done much boxing, but I was like, holy shit, man. I mean, he was throwing some bombs too. It was like, it was terrifying. It's on YouTube. You guys should check it out sometime. It was pretty cool. But yeah, hopefully we can get uh, Hapthor Bjornsson on the show. That would be, uh, that would be really cool. Try to keep, try to keep up with your, uh, with your pushups and your quarantine doubles. Yeah, you know we're 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 keeping keeping fresh with them. And Seema missed a day, but he's going to make it up to you guys. So don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the 100 push-ups, 100 squats. I mean, you know, do 10 back and forth until you get to 100, or whatever way you got to space it out. Maybe you suck at push-ups and you can only do five at a time. Just whatever way, whatever way you can get yourself to 100, even if it's just doing 10 or 20, uh, kind of throughout the day. I'm going to get on out of here and uh, go hit up workout number two. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch y'all later. Bye.